Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Dragoncast. Home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the insane world of Westeros and beyond. Good morning, V King's Landing! That was a little um, Good Morning Vietnam reference. Chris Mandel, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? <laughs> really good. Very good indeed. It is, uh, what date is it? I don't know. It's the kind 21st of, like... of November. 21st November, Jesus Christ. Have you bought oh your Christmas God. cards yet? When was the last time you, do you do Christmas cards? Hell yeah, yeah I do Christmas cards. You are, you are one of them. I don't even know why I bothered asking. Of course. I don't even know why I bothered Love asking. sending Christmas cards and they go out. Oh my straight away like 1st of December I'm like Pam from Gavin and Stacey because it gives everyone all month to enjoy them oh my god I haven't no, done them I yet don't. I just bought them no you see I'd, I've not I've not done Christmas cards I don't I don't think I ever did them really I no. can remember my mum doing them as a child and like her kind of like displaying them on little washing pegs but on mm-hmm. a string around the kind of like picture rails in the house and and I I don't know I just I, the only people I get a card from is like my accountant, <laughs> you know, and like the local curry house. That's kind of, you know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of it. Those are the people um, that are fact, thinking of you this Christmas. It's the accountant. Exactly that. The exactly house. that. Yeah. You know what? My accountant really should be thinking of me this Christmas. Because <laughs> he knows um, how much you've been you, at the curry house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How's your week been? What, what should, t- talk to me about your TV uh, week, the TV week at Christmas. Oh my doing? God. Okay. So the TV week has been sublime because last night we watched the, we were were on the Sopranos. That's our big watch at the moment in the household. And we finally got to the episode where Adriana gets shot. Oh, and I knew, obviously knew it was coming because all season, in fact, I think in season four as well, she's sort of speaking to the FBI and she's sort of forced to help them. You know, it's coming. It's a painfully drawn out, like it's emotionally yeah. distraught and it was uh, kind of process, you know, watched a lot of telly for a living, talk about telly a lot. I think that is one of the best episodes of television ever made. It is f- <laughs> fucking amazing. And I'm just sort of like, there's, there'll be even more in the final season. Cause we watched the season five finale as well. So sort of straight after, but that one of Adrian, um, getting taken out, you know, they sort of tell her she's off to the hospital to see Christopher and you start to realise, like, a lot of quiet, big open spaces on this on the route to the hospital. <laughs> and 
It's just brutal. Yeah. I, I, so that, that's been a big thing. Um, we're doing Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy, which is... The, oh, okay. Have you not seen this? The Stanley Tucci Italy. Mate, yeah, I, I, no, because it will... A, it will make me... Is this food one? It is food. Yeah, yeah, it? It will yeah. Make me, it will just make me hungry. I struggle watching food yeah. things because it, it always just makes me really hungry and just like really depressed that I'm sat in like my house in, in a dark November yeah. evening when yeah. Stanley Tucci is just bombing around, presumably some sun-soaked Italian landscape yeah. eating amazing food with his trim figure with his shirt tucked into his jeans. With his turtleneck. Always yeah. the turtle. Well, there's one episode where he goes to a tomato farm and he's hand pulping the tomatoes in the most crisp white shirt you've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, Stanley, you have never had to do your own laundry, have you? You've never yeah, had to think, exactly. oh, that's yeah. not coming out. Um, but the, yeah, it's really good. It's a really good show because it's produced by CNN. So it's really fucking expensive. And he yeah, just yeah. goes out and eats like a fucking king. But it's just, yeah, it's great. The one we watched this week, he is actually set in London. So he goes to see some of the Italian communities in London and some of the restaurants. I think what happened was um, during filming, which was last spring, I think COVID sort of grounded some of their plans. So they were like, let's just do an episode in London. That's my theory. Um, But it's really... Did he go to Reaver in Barnes at all? Is he didn't. He he went to yeah. he went to this amazing place in Chelsea that hires Italian nonnas, like all the grannies, um, whose children moved to London. So all these like mums and grandmas that are like are classic cooks, they work in the kitchens. But it's this like really cool restaurant in in like Chelsea. Did they? I presume they asked. So hang on a sec. So people moved from Italy to London. Yeah to get away from their mothers yeah. quite possibly and then and then these restaurants they get the completely over ruined well. their completely ruined their kind of like shagging their way through london summer by yeah. by by giving their mums jobs yeah. i would yeah i'd have i'd have, can you I'd have imagine, questions about that can you imagine if they were like don't worry furious. your mum's coming to work with you um but <laughs> it's, it's it's a yeah. really good show it's really oh, okay fun. well i'll check that out i'd like to throw onto the list um for listeners of dragon cast consideration 1899. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I heard a lot about this was, on, on my timeline, like, yesterday for some mm, reason. Did it come out yesterday? Like, I think it came out Friday, and then probably Sunday was the first... Tell me um, everything about it. I don't know anything about it. So, have you watched Dark? Mm. Sorry, have you done Dark? Yeah. So, yes, done Dark. Now I know what it is. This is the show from yeah. the people of Dark on the ship. How, yeah, exactly. Exactly okay, that. So, for those that don't know, Dark is an... Um, an incredibly dense um, time travel series uh, that was, I think, first on Netflix. It was one of their early, I it think was. it was pretty pioneering in terms of um, a foreign language. It was, it was Netflix's biggest foreign language uh, series to date, which then obviously led on to like Squid Game and uh, mm-hmm. Casa Papo and, and all of those kind of shows being a great success. But Dark is in German. Quick fact, if you go back and watch it, put it on um, original language with English subtitles. They made a really, I think it was a big learning curve for Netflix was that the default for it was the English dubbed mm. and it was fucking awful, like mm. really, really bad. But anyway, forgetting all that. So Dark, it was two, I think it was two series of Dark, maybe three. I think it was uh, three. I think there was three. Yeah. Um, and it was a really intricately weaved, dense time travel science fiction story 
And it was fucking incredible. It's one of the only time travel shows or anything, any, anything that's tackled time travel that managed to solve the grandfather um, problem, mm. which I think is like, is like a common thread throughout, whether it's back to the future or whatnot. There's this kind of like the big issue is like, it's the grandfather paradox. I think it's yeah. called, whereby, um, you know, what if the grandfather comes back and, doesn't meet the grandmother do you then disappear that you know the whole martin mcfly's hand disappearing mm-hmm. in the photograph kind of thing they solve that don't ask me how i can't bloody remember but anyway 1899 is the next project from the makers of dark and it's again um i am blasted through five episodes on the wow. trot yesterday um love it it's like it reminds me what was that thing that show that series that had your man from Mad Men in it that was on the ship um oh john oh, slattery man. hang on a sec yeah uh was oh it was, i didn't watch it i know the one you mean no it was hold on a second hold on a second uh we will come on to game of thrones season one episode four in just a second but uh this is important information it was the it, was, it had your man where is he uh jared harris in it and it was set in the winter on this kind of in this arctic expedition uh, God, hold on. Where, where are they a sec? Uh, da, 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 the Terror. Oh, I didn't, which also had, I didn't see that one. Yeah, which also had your man, uh, Mance Raider in it. Um, which Kieran was, uh, Hines. Amazing, really, yeah, Kieran Hines. Really, really good show. So go back and watch that. That's a good recommendation there, The Terror. It's only about six episodes long. Um, and this has that kind of vibe. It's set aboard a ship, uh, it's in, interestingly, 1899. And... Just weird shit happens. I always get a bit freaked out by things that set at sea anyway, especially mm. when there's fog, when there's fog. Um, but thoroughly, thoroughly recommend that. It's, again, it's, um, it's multilingual. So there's, there's, you know, a third of the cast are Danish, there's mm-hmm. English, there's French, there's, you know, all sorts kicking, German kicking off. It's great. So you will have to have subtitles. Is um, it on Netflix? Thoroughly, thoroughly. It's on Netflix. Yeah, sorry. Yes, it's on Netflix. Eight episodes. Lovely. So, you know, you could, you could do, you could do that in a, you could do that in a good week. Easily. A nice wintry week. Mm. You could easily blast through that. So thoroughly recommend that. But... Shall we move on? Shall we get on to Game of Thrones Season 1, Episode 4, Cripples, Bastards and Broken Things? Uh, What we're going to do now is play you the previously on Episode 4, Season 1, Episode 4 of Game of Thrones. Uh, It's a quick recap that would take you through the whole narrative of exactly what happened and who said what and who did what and where and all that kind of stuff. And we'll come back to you right after this. So see you in one second or five minutes. Game of Thrones Season 1, Episode 4, Cripples, Bastards and Broken Things. We're in Winterfell with Bran Stark, who is dreaming about following a three-eyed raven to Winterfell's crypt. When he wakes, Theon informs him that visitors have arrived. Theon orders Hodor, a gentle giant who can only say his own name, to carry Bran to greet their guest, who is revealed to be Tyrion on his way back from the Wall. Tyrion's met with hostility from Rob, but is calmed when he gives Bran designs for an adapted saddle that will allow him to ride a horse despite being paralysed and encouraging Bran to accept his disability. Tyrion refuses offers of shelter, sensing he isn't welcome, but before leaving, asks Theon where Catelyn has gone and mocks him for the Greyjoy's failed rebellion. At Castle Black, a new recruit, Samwell Tarly, arrives. The Watchman mocks Sam's weight, and Alyssa Thorne orders a recruit to fight him until he improves, despite Sam surrendering. 
When John intervenes, Thorne demands that three men fight John. They're all unsuccessful. Sam thanks John, but John warns him that cowardice has no place at the wall. Daenerys and the Kalasar arrive at Vase Dothrak, the only city in the Dothraki homeland. Her brother Viserys insults the Dothraki for marching away from Westeros. When Daenerys defends their way of life, he's infuriated. In King's Landing, Ned privately asks Grand Maester Pycelle about Jon Arryn, the former Hand of the King. Pycelle reveals that Arryn visited him the night before his death, seeking a book about the noble lineages of the Seven Kingdoms. Pycelle gives the book to Ned and tells him that Arryn's final words were, The seed is strong. Peter Littlefinger Baelish, who promised Catelyn he would help her husband, informs Ned that John Arryn's former squire, Sir Hugh of the Vale, was knighted immediately after his master's death, and tells Ned that he should discreetly seek out Sir Hugh, as well as an armourer Arryn visited several times before his death. Finally, he warns Ned not to trust anyone, not even him. Ned finds the armourer in question, who tells him that Arryn came to visit his assistant Gendry, a strong, dark-haired young man. Gendry tells Ned that Arryn wanted to know about his mother and what she looked like. Ned works out that Gendry is actually Robert Baratheon's bastard son, with a strong claim to the Iron Throne. In Vase Dothrak, Viserys attacks Daenerys after she talks back to him, but Daenerys strikes him across the face with a gold chain and concludes he's not wise or strong enough to return them home. Jorah tells Daenerys that the common people of Westeros do not care who leads them so long as they have food and peace. Back at the wall, Jon is partnered with Sam, who reveals that his father threatened to murder him if he didn't renounce his inheritance and join the Night's Watch, and they begin to bond, angering Alyssa Thorne. At the Hand's Tawny, a jousting tournament held to honour the new Hand of the King, Sansa and Littlefinger watch as the Hound's older brother, Sir Gregor Clegane, a.k.a. the Mountain, prepares to fight Sir Hugh of the Vale. When the Mountain swiftly dispatches Sir Hugh, Littlefinger explains to Sansa that the older Clegane brother was responsible for the Hound's scarred face. As children, the Mountain found his brother playing with one of his toys and so held the Hound's face in the fire as punishment. Ned is visited by Cersei in his quarters, who asks if they can put the past behind them. Cersei tells Ned he cannot change Robert's ways, only clean up his messes, and the two part on uneasy terms. Having disguised their identities, Catelyn and Roderick Cassell are staying at an inn on the King's Road when Tyrion arrives with his men in search of rest. Although the inn is full, a stranger offers Tyrion his room in exchange for gold. Tyrion spots Catelyn and greets her, revealing her identity to the other patrons. Catelyn identifies the houses of several knights nearby, all of whom are sworn to her family, House Tully. With loyal allies surrounding her, Catelyn charges them to seize Tyrion so he can stand trial for the attempted murder of Bran Stark. What did you think? What was your kind of reaction watching it again? Because you've not done a rewatch uh, before, right? No, I've not done a rewatch. And I mean, look. We were we were surprised that this was chosen, um, but you know yeah. <laughs> the nation the nation spoke, and we respect so we democracy on this podcast. We do respect democracy. Um, it was on the face of it, nothing happens. You know, <laughs> really, it was one of those kind of like um, not filler, uh, not a filler episode, but but an episode that's needed because people have to get from A to B, yeah. and people have to do stuff. Um, I wish I'd just carried on and watched episodes two and three because, you know, various things happened. I was just like, 
why are they there? Why? Are they, yeah, like, which bits kind of like which bits forgot? Because I could probably help you thread this together. And for people so, that so are, okay, so help me, th- yeah. help me through. Why was why did Tyrion come back to um, Winterfell? Was that purely to give Bran the the? the so, was that purely to kind of like make peace, or was he trying to find out whether they knew about Jamie and Cersei? That is a really good question, and I don't think it's. I don't think he. I don't think we really know. So there's two no. things. So he went up, obviously went up to the wall with John because he'd never been, wanted to have a look. I think on one level, um, he has to come back down the King's Road, which I think kind of goes yeah. kind of around Winterfell. But he was, first of all, I think he he bonded quite closely with John. I think he saw an outcast in John and he wanted to do right by John. It's important to establish that he is a bit of an asshole, but he cares about people that are rejected by society for whatever reason. So I think Jon Snow, who is quite poorly treated as a bastard, he sort of sees something in him. And I think with Bran as someone who has lost the use of his legs, I think there's an element of that as well, a bit of sympathy. And I think it's the first okay. time we see Tyrion as being com- capable of compassion. Um, and I think also just on a pure like plot level, it's like we need him to sort of talk to Theon about the rebellion because that sort of needs to be established in the show that Theon resents the Starks for kind of keeping him as a sort of formal hostage. Um, You know, Theon ends up attacking Winterfell next season. Uh, For his father, he has this identity crisis about who he should be loyal to. So it's kind of to reinforce that. Um, And yeah, also to try and sort of paint him with a bit more compassion. But it's quite weird, isn't it? Um, uh, to just have Tyrion hanging out with Rob. I think that's the only time they'll sort of talk now. Yeah, I think there's a, I think the interesting nugget that I got this, apparently according to IMDB or, or Wiki of Ice and Fire, this episode is the first and only time in the series that no member of the starring cast is absent. They are all, every single starring member of the cast is in this show. In this episode. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I that's didn't know that. That's quite crazy. a good, quite a good, yeah. It's quite a weird episode because, as you said, the, it doesn't feel like loads of it. There's just constant setup because it's only episode four, right? So, mm. like, you know, Samwell is gets introduced for the first time. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot of a lot of um, a lot of things moving very gently. Um, but it, it reminded me of House of the Dragon in a lot of ways because we're just waiting for that. We're waiting for that to get really sexy, and I feel like that's the same with this, where there's. You know, Ned sort of investigating, like, John Aaron's death. I think that storyline is really hard to care about, frankly. Um, See, I quite quite enjoy, I quite found it. It's like, wow, this is a bit like Murder, She Wrote. It's kind of like, there's a real kind of, it's like a whodunit. And like, I'd forgotten how much of it was was based around this kind of like, seeking out the truth and the the scene between Cersei and Ned and... You know, I I I kill I kill my enemies, so do I, kind of thing. That was, was a great line. Was a, Cersei was a is, great line. Cersei is really interesting this season because she's quite enigmatic. Mm. Whereas by the end, she's like full like e- like panto evil stepmother. By the end of you know, she's quite like dialed up to eleven by the end of Game of Thrones. Yeah, not quite hard to know like what her deal is at the start, and I think it's very interesting how first of all, like I think it's. Um, one of the maesters says to Ned, like, oh, poison is a woman's weapon. And so obviously you're supposed to think it's Cersei. Yeah. But then, of course, we know that, like, Littlefinger is the one that poisoned John Aaron. We find that out, like, way later in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the smart thing to do is to use something that people would think 
a woman would use. You know, it's quite, it is all quite la- layered. And I think it does take a while to appreciate all the layers to the mystery. Um, and even the, the sort of fact that we meet Gendry um, mm. for the first time. And, and that I remember sort of watching that and I didn't, it didn't click to me that like all of Robert's bastards have b- black hair and none of his children do. Yeah, you see, yeah, that that was far too far too subtle. I think. Yeah, does it? I think they may labour the point a bit more later on in further episodes. But you know, that like you say, yeah, that whole thing of like you you see the cogs turning in Ned's Ned's mind, and and you're just like, I've got, I had no idea what what was what yeah. they were on about then. It's you know, funny the, how like, the seed is strong and all those kind of references. Yeah. 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 And that he goes through this book and if you listen, it's like, yeah, he's, they're all people that are like, it's the birth records and their, their physical features are written down so that you can look back and that he eventually finds out, yeah, that all of, all of the children with Cersei don't have the Baratheon signature black hair, which is really important, you know, and stuff so it's very, it's very sort of densely layered, and I think it is very interesting. But well, it's, um, it, it invites, well, it invites rewatches. That's what this episode does, I think. And I, yeah, I, it's really interesting. Um, I had a lot of sympathy for Cersei. Actually, I think, I think actually rewatching these earlier episodes explain a hell of a lot about how Cersei ended up becoming what she became. Yes. Um, not, not. She doesn't want. It, she actually reminded me a lot of Alison Hightower, who had been forced into a marriage for like the benefit of her father. Yeah, and is sort of forced to bear the brunt of it. I mean, the scene where Robert makes Jamie stand guard when he's got like women over, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. And I thought, God, that's a really fucked up thing to do. It, it did contain the best line of the, the episode. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I bet you smell a black birdie jam. Come here. I, as <laughs> one of the worst lines in the series, I, <laughs> I just curled him into a ball when I heard that. That line can't I want, have worked can, in Westeros. I think you should like, there should be like YouTube channels dedicated to people trying that as a come online to their, <laughs> to their better halves. Like just putting a phone in the corner of the room, just like walking past their yeah. husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, just going, but you smell like Blackbridge jam. Come it's here. like a TikTok thing, like trying out Westeros pickup lines yeah. on strangers. <laughs> We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Also, did you notice at the tournament the lad playing Hugh of the Veil? We did. This was picked up on um, on the Twitter space last night that you uh, completely forgot about. Um, I completely it, forgot about it. I'm really sorry. No, I was no, making not at a all. hurry. Not at all. We did. We did pick up pick up on it. And I think uh, it was Susan uh, who who jumped on, and because uh, I was just like, was that the Lannister guy? I know he appears somewhere in season one, and then yeah. uh, then and he one of the he, one of the listeners hopped onto IMDb, and he was like, yeah, so here of the veil. He didn't tell um, House of the Dragon that he'd been on Game of Thrones. I love apparently. that. I love that. <laughs> But so he was someone who was a, one of John Aaron's, he was his squire, yeah. got knighted. And I think they, you know, that we find out later in the sh- the show that that killing was, you know, pl- like a planted, he was, it was a sort of assassination essentially yeah. under the guise of the tournament. To get um, rid of it, to get him out of the way, should he have been past information? Yeah. Since he might have known, known too much about what John Aaron was investigating. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Uh, what else kind of with the, with, had- the, with the Jamie Lannister and Robert Baratheon thing, you know, with the, with the hookers in the in the uh, in the room. Yeah. The, was was Robert aware of? He wasn't aware, was he? Did he suspect? Do we think? Why do we think he did that? Just purely to be a twat to to Jamie? Just to, or, he hates Jamie, and I think right. um, I think he hates the Lannisters. I think he hates all of them, really. Um, but he just, he's, a, he's, Robert is a, a really awful man in a lot of ways. You know, he's, he doesn't want to, yeah, he doesn't yeah, want to. Yeah, I get, it's, it's, I had a kind of skewed, kind of like rose tinted memory of season one of like Robert being the jolly kind of like pisshead who was mm. just a nice guy. Cersei being like an evil, um, you know, yeah. kind of witch that just wanted power for, you know, for, for her dad. And, and actually, the one thing is done is just like actually the motive, you know, everyone had kind of just cause, which leads me on to like Sansa was annoying in this episode. Cause mm. I'd forgotten how I'd forgotten how annoying and, and ridiculous and how petulant she was over yeah. her dad and, and the, and the whole um, sacrifice, sacrificing of the dire wolf, because of what happened, I think in episode two by the it river is, yeah, with yeah. with Joffrey and you know and actually that that pivotal moment with that direwolf is kind of cost Ned his life and then kick started everything. So we talk about the cat's paw dagger and we talk about this and that and the other. But yeah. but, but the way that Sansa was towards her father and the way that 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 that, that argument played out between Robert and Ned and Joffrey and Sansa that had as much to do with Ned being, being beheaded um, as, as anything did. It yeah. Was- as, as soon as he leaves the North, he's fucked because, you know, he's got a certain way of doing things. Northerners have got a certain temperament, a certain way of seeing the world. They're not suited to the South and they're just like the direwolf in the first episode. Like, oh, this they is, not- says, says the man from Carlisle who can't get, can't, can't, can't cope with these soft Southerners. 
I can't. I've changed since I came down here, Jamie. I've well, no, I've betro- I'm betro- betrothed to a southerner. I've done the right thing. I've I've made uh, political. Okay, fine. So you've made a political allegiance. You- yeah, right. Rob's from. I mean, betrothed is not technically true, uh, but, but Rob is from Croydon. I was going to so. say I didn't get an invite. Yeah, but you know, just like betrothed in principle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's going to listen to this. This is going to end up with you getting married. You know that now, don't you? God, I don't. I don't know if Rob <laughs> listens to the podcast. If he is. Uh, <laughs> My family have never listened to a single one of my podcasts. <laughs> what? No. no, no. I, do, I do. Quite a lot of mates would listen to, do listen and check in and they go, you know, my mate Mike, who I gave a, a shout out to on the House of the Dragon finale Peace episode. Out, Mike. He's very happy. But no, I think, yeah, I, I, as, a, as, a, as a northerner who had to come south for political and uh, career reasons, I understand Ned's plight all too well. Yeah. But a lot, of, um, a lot of Sansa's thing this season is just, she thinks she's got a fairy tale life ahead of her and it's just stripped yeah. away layer by layer. And but the whole pouty, know, the whole pouty thing towards her dad, it yeah. just, it just really annoyed me. It really, is quite really different. Really I mean, yeah, it's not, a, not a great season for her. There's no. not a lot for her to do. We saw quite a few people for the first time in this. We saw what we saw. Um, so Samuel, obviously big introduction mm-hmm. to one of the biggest characters. Um, and he came pretty fully formed, didn't he, Samwell? You know, John Bradley was um, was exquisite as Samwell, I think, and uh, and he kind of arrived. His hair didn't look quite as good, but yeah. um, but he was all there, wasn't he? The full package arrived. You get his story quite neatly bundled up in this episode. You yeah. know, it's it's all there, and I think it's really um, interesting because he was from a very like wealthy family. Like we meet his dad and his brother and stuff like later on in the show, I think in season six, um, because he was the firstborn son and he wasn't like manly enough. He was essentially stripped of his titles and sent to the wall. His dad said, if you don't take the black, we will hunt you down. Yeah. It's fucking awful. Like, just give him, just give him a little hold fast in. Just buy him a in the, just, yeah, just put him up somewhere. Oh, no. He would, he could renounce his title, but he forced him up, and that immediately. Do a makes Prince him, Andrew for God's sake, you know? Yeah, but he, it's just crazy. It's it's brutal, and I think the wall is really interesting. The Night's Watch, you know, once upon a time was quite a principled place, and obviously we see it now in Game of Thrones, and it's full of like murderers, rapists, like criminals like low-born people, John and Sam are both from like quite good houses, even though John is a bastard. And that's why Alistair Thorne like hates them so much because yeah. they're kind of not got ideas, but they're sort of used to a better The Nepo, life. but Nepo babies. Nepo babies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> but Alistair Thorne is a very interesting character because- He is. In, he's great. He great. fought for the Targaryens and Robert, obviously as punishment was like, you're going to the wall. So he hates- all the sort of um, the political elite, he might say, if he was, you know. They expanded his, um, there were a few scenes in this episode that were, that were created on the flu, but it was written by Brian Cogman. Um, he did it as a draft. Uh, Daniel and This was the first episode that wasn't written by uh, Daniel and David. And they gave it oh, to right, Brian, yeah. who was a script writer on it. And um, they said, they just could he just draft out a, an episode as to what he, what he, what he thinks season, episode four should be? And he did it thinking it was just like a, an outline and it ended up being the actual script and um he was a huge fan of your man who played alice of thorn uh oh god hold on a second owen owen uh yeah it owen. is owen someone uh it's uh, owen teal um yeah. 
who was uh, who's a Guildford School of Acting uh, alumni, actually. And uh, oh, wow. he, he was a big fan of his. He'd seen him on stage in New York and expanded that scene where where Alistair talks to them about the about important, winter, yeah, the importance of the winter and all of that kind of stuff. That was made upon because they wanted Alistair to have a bit more of a prominent role in it. Mm. Um, John thinks, has got the idea that brotherhood is going to save them. And Alistair says, you know, you don't understand like how brutal it is out there. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, all this time that the big threat is the wildlings, which are the people that just happen to be born on the wrong side of the wall. Yeah, exactly. And they're going, look, these guys are constantly trying to get in. And the irony is we know that there's something even worse than that, that even I don't even know if Alistair Thorne sort of entertains because the ranging that they do doesn't really go that far. Yeah. I um, mean, we, we, yeah, we, we're not entirely sure who knows or, well, I think they probably all know about the myth, but it's who believes it really, isn't but whether it? Whether they've come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Really interesting. And I do think the wall stuff is, that's the hardest stuff for me to enjoy on this, this show on this season. I do think it takes a long time. Um, and yeah. they're all sort of sequestered away from the rest of the show. And, you know, but it's a great episode and, you know, it looks great. It does look great up there. I think, I, I think the acting, the, the performances are starting to settle down as well. Peter Dinklage starts to kind of feel yeah. a bit more like the Tyrion that, that, that we, that we, that we grew into, that we grew absolutely adoring. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of either. So we, so we saw Samuel for the first time, we saw Bronn for the first time as well. Yes. Um, very great. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Which was, which was great. We also had mentions of a lot of people for the first time. I think Walder Frey was mm-hmm. mentioned for the first time as well in that great speech that Catelyn does at the end. Love um, that. Which incidentally that was Michelle Farley's, that was what she had to do for her, for her audition was that speech. Right. Um, but she also mentions, uh, we got the first mention. Oh, actually, hang on. Harren Hall. We got the first mention of Harren Hall, of Walder Frey, of Hoster Tully, of uh, Lady Went, the King Beyond the Wall. So, and then, then I think Alistair Thorne mentions Mance Raider for the first yeah. time as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of kind of like just little teases about just all of all of these characters that we've yet that we've yet yeah. to kind of meet, which I really enjoyed. What I think they do really well. I mean, it's this is why it benefits from a rewatch. Is there's loads of detail. And the phrase, for example, we find out that um, uh, Walder Frey is just about to turn 90. He's yeah. got a new wife. Like, there's all these kind of things. Um, that and all, yeah, just that come, you, all just become really important. Yeah. And you understand, that first of all, like, so Catelyn is, before she married into the Stark, she was a Tully. They're clearly in the Riverlands. The Tullys have, like, governance over this area. And so in the inn, you've got a lot of the houses that are loyal to the Tullys. And you get a lot of that just from that speech. It's yeah. like... Um, and it's a really, really clever int- way of, of of including all these new names, yeah. but for a also purpose to serve the, serve the episode. One thing, Catelyn is not normally seen in these kind of places because she is from a noble house. And when the woman who runs the inn finds out, she's almost like shocked that she she's like worried that she like didn't even spot it. But then Tyrion, as a bit of a reject because he's a dwarf, he would have to go to places like that. He might get rejected elsewhere, or he's kind of one of those royals that is in touch with the common people and is happy yeah. to just hang out in a, in a sort of really rough place. But yeah, it really sort of amazing that she arrests him. And it's just watching it back. I felt the same last time when we talked about the pilot, it's all done on a complete misunderstanding. She thinks the dagger's his, it was little yeah. fingers. 
Catelyn has been completely manipulated into starting a war. Mm. And it's just, it's kind of wild watching it all unspool. Just, just slowly unravel again. Yeah. There yeah. was, um, we, we also saw Bran's first, first kind of vision of the three-eyed raven. Yeah. Um, which was the opening shot. And yeah. I forgot how much I loved that. I think the whole three-eyed raven storyline was one of my favourites of the whole series. I loved mm. it. I loved the mystery of who it was, who he was, you know, what the three-eyed raven meant as a is yeah. it a person, is it is it a role, is it, you know, all of those kind of things. Absolutely loved it. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and there were the, the other things that were also mentioned, I didn't, who was it, Rob, that mentioned in that, in that speech with Theon, was it, he kind of gave mention to to the uncles for the first time. So yeah, yeah. That these is, uncles were like lunatics and so we didn't, but they were very clever and didn't name Euron as, as, as yeah. As, as it's, being. It's, yeah. So this was Tyrion and Theon talked about the failed Greyjoy rebellion. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that by the time the show came to cast Theon's uncles, they actually only cast one. He had three. Yeah. And, yeah, um, we know, the, the, the other two were never mentioned again, were they? No, and his brothers also obviously are like killed in the rebellion and, and as the surviving son, he's taken hostage by the Starks as a political yeah. prisoner. But yeah, the, in the books, the uncles are like the most depraved, like just fucked up people. They're, they're really like fucked up and weird. And one of them is... Um, is known as the damp hair because his hair, his, his long wet hair, and he's sort of, it's all, there's some weird like shamanic rituals and stuff. It's really like weird. Um, I and love da- I love it. What's your name? Damp hair. Perfect. Damp hair. Yeah. I love that. Damp hair. It's his second nickname. I can't remember his real name, but yeah, there's a very interesting, it's, it's really interesting to hear about it. And I, I kind of don't know, having not watched season one for a while, like I forgot about the finer points of this that, yeah, that the Greyjoys kind of, the fleet was burnt and, and, they tried to attack Lannisport. So Lannisport, where which is part of the Lannisters kind of uh, governance is on the coast, the other side uh, of Westeros. So it's on the Western coast. So they're, they're sort of primed for being attacked uh, generally. And yeah, it's, it's, there's loads of history. There's loads of detail. It has one of Game of Thrones sort of iconic season one, like let's explain what's happening while having a man uh, getting on, getting off with a woman. Yeah. Like sex position. I think there's a New Yorker piece that called it sex position, which was like sex. People won't stick around for this chatting about Meraxes, the dragon. So can can she pop, can she pop him out? Yeah. (laughs) Some of these two people bathing one another. So yeah, they what do they they talk, talk about the the decline of the dragons and yeah. how there's not any not any around anymore. Basically. Yeah, th- that's it. And also they mentioned they mentioned a hell of a lot of dragons as well, and and only some of them we ended up I think we end up knowing about or were actually in. Yeah, the, in, in well, the I think books. a lot of the big ones. Well, I think what some a- of them are like the the ones from after House of the Dragon, like so some of the really small ones. I think, but one of them they- was. Um, one of them was a made up. One of them was a reference to, I think, oh man, what was the, there was a famous, let me just dig this up. I did look at it earlier on. Um, they talked about uh, one of the dragons, uh, George R. R. Martin um, put in as a, uh, as an homage to his favorite fantasy film. Oh shit. What the hell was it? What would it have been with dragons in it? 
Um, bear with me one second. Uh, Dragon Slayer. Uh, there was a um, Vermithrax was actually a, a dragon in uh, the film Dragon Slayer. It was never, oh, wow. in, never in Game of Thrones. So he mentioned oh. nine dragons. He mentioned Giscar, Valerian, Vermithrax, Isovius, Arconi, Maraxes, Vagar, and Valerian, and the unnamed last dragon. But I thought it was quite interesting. Did they, they talked about dragon eggs. The, la- the later the dr- dragons, the more um, deformed they were and, and, small sm- and well. smaller, which, which was quite interesting, kind of parallel to how the Targaryen, um, I guess, maybe kind of incest kind of kind of yeah yeah breeding kind of thing there's a bit of thinking that like the dragon the existence of the dragons is sort of intrinsically linked to the the white walkers as the sort of fire and ice but also magic Uh, generally yeah yeah yeah. might be um cause the dragons to be stunted the lack Uh. of magic and the children of the forest who are these you know weird wood creatures that we meet later you know they're driven out of westeros when the andals invade and so yes. it, there's this sense that like it's it's very like Greta Thunberg would love it because it's like all the natural things are dying the more <laughs> that we sort of like have our own petty struggles. But yeah, that, that some of them, I think there's a reference later where some of the dragons are, are like the size of a dog. That was know. it. Yeah. Imagine that. I'd love a little dog sized dragon. Wouldn't dog you? dragon. Like the beginning of like, a little bit like the beginning of, is it the beginning of Jurassic Park, the book? Have you read the book yeah, Jurassic yeah, Park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, the, where the guy carries around an elephant in a birdcage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Look- but it's, it's yeah, there's, they're really trying to sell through whatever means necessary. The dragons are gone. Yeah. And when that lady is, I can't remember her name. Lady. Uh, Doria. Doria says, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to see a dragon. He's just like, what are you talking about? Well, this is, I'm I've lost my erection now. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. It's like sad a, that they've all died. And he's a little like, bit of a little bit of foreshadowing of pouring the wax on him, uh, which I thought yes, was, I thought was that. quite I thought interesting. That. There um, was, uh, there was, she also, um, a little bit of foreshadowing from Doria as well. She gave a little shout out to the faceless men. I thought that that is a really, really slick reference because she tells it to him. Like I've seen some stuff and he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah you drunkard. I bet that's not true. And then yeah, we yeah. obviously know that. So she, she said, I've, I've saw a man, um, something, something to do with dragon glass. Um, a man with a dragon, a dagger made of dragon dagger glass. made of dragon glass and a faceless and a man who's and face. a man who changes faces. Yeah. The way that you and I would change our clothes. I'm just thinking this, so this man who's a faceless man, he's a paid for assassin and he was just going to the brothel. Do you think they're like, you get your first one free. So he's like, <laughs> yeah it's a bit like you know put on a false, false mustache it's like hang I'm on a minute it. i'm does, not back i'm i'm not i'm I'm different you know and just also constantly. does just the face change because after a while they'd start to recognize the dick I'd, well i think you probably <laughs> let's I think after a while they'd be like i've seen that mole before yeah i've seen the way that i've, I've seen the i've seen, seen the way one. that one's bigger than the other yeah i've never seen one at that angle before <laughs> And did we, we never, I mean, we, we, everyone talked about it a bit later on when Aria was there. Did, did the faceless men, did they change height as well? Was that, we, you was can never... change, you can change everything because right. it's a kind of, it's kind of like a trick. It's a trick of the It's like a, it's, it's in here. Right. Okay. So she, I think Aria, when she does her training in the books becomes like an old lady. Right. Okay. I understand that. And with all the, uh, 
all the <laughs> I can't even finish that sentence. <laughs> just becomes an old lady, literally. Um, um, so someone pulled up and uh, noticed something I didn't notice either. Was um, was it was Bruce? Thanks, Bruce. Uh, mentioned this. He said my favorite part of this episode was Daenerys's handmaiden, who we just said was called um, Doria. Said right. uh, said Khaleesi has a baby in her belly, and Jorah just literally gets up and leaves without explanation. Like I didn't pick up on that, and actually we know that he was at the time, he was a double agent, wasn't he? He was kind of yeah. passing information back. And, and this is what led further down the line to his excommunication um, from, from Daenerys. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd missed that completely. Yeah. And it's, yeah. The line I've, cause I forgot Jorah Mormont's general. I knew he got, got going to got like exiled or he, he ran away from Westeros. He's a very divorced man. Very he, divorced he was, man. This the, is the what dad's, dad's, I, dad's coping with a divorce well kind the of line thing. I could I actually laughed at was when he's like, yeah, I was caught for, I was slave trading. It's really illegal in Westeros. And she was like, why did you do it? And he had, I had a wife with very expensive taste. <laughs> exactly. Like he's got like a wag that's like, yeah. I want like more handbags. And he's just like, it's fine, like, I'll go off, into fine. slave trading. Like, <laughs> There's better ways, but also it, I just thought, and also the wife left him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a very expensive wife who who left for a different with a very with a, who's now with a different man. Yeah, always exactly. in Harrods, and I just couldn't keep up, so I had to enslave people. It marks out a ten on on rewatch for this right, one for you, Chris. A good question. I find I find I mean I generally find rating episodes hard. I think because it's kind of one big story. I mean I think a six. Like it's really good. It's just also like a bit like reading a Wikipedia entry about. Yeah, I think on the face of it, you think that's a bit shit, a bit boring. And but then when you actually delve into it, like we just did, and you realise how much of the future was mapped mm. out in this episode, it's actually pretty cool. So thank you, listeners, for picking this one um, because it was a complete curveball one to pick. But I actually enjoyed enjoyed it um, far more than I, you know, maybe like a big big event based um episodes so mm. thank you very much for that uh thank you very much yeah having said that <laughs> next week uh is the big one it's the last season one rewatch that we're going to do uh yeah. we are doing season one episode nine balon i can't um, wait balor but what is balon's the dragon balor's yeah balor balor's the sword um right? that episode is going to be amazing oh i can't wait cannot wait it was the you know for, for you, you know, you mentioned the Sopranos episode that you watched earlier on, but in terms yeah. of like, you know, what this episode did um, for a Game of Thrones, but also for for just creative television in general, mm. I think will never ever be underestimated because it it tore the fucking rule book apart. And I can't yeah. wait to watch it again. I've not watched yeah. it for donkeys. So I'm and really ne- after n- after next week's episode, we'll be putting up a poll. To vote for see the season for season two, two. yeah, hundred percent. Have you got, have you got any? Yeah, we'll actually we'll talk about favourites for season two next week. Um, yeah. There will be a bonus episode going out tomorrow, which will be our introduction to the OA. So do mm-hmm. stick around for that. If you've not watched the OA, I think you'll like it. Uh, but we talk about that next. So it'll be a little short bonus episode from us tomorrow. Uh, but until then, we will see you next Monday. As ever, get in touch on Twitter at dragoncast underscore pod or email dragoncast at daftdoris.com. Let us know what you thought or leave comments below uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, Chris, until Baylor next week, Dracaris, my friend. 
Dracaris. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at DragonCast underscore pod or email DragonCast at DaftDoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for DragonCast Janie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. DragonCast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel and is a Daft Doris production. Dracarys. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.